I'm Zach. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 355 of Video Games Hot Dog, the one without Riff, where we're in a brand new studio. But I left space for Riff to say his name anyway. I know. I'm just a polite guy. I'm going to edit that out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't, put it, don't, don't edit out that I said I did it. Uh, we're in a very small, orange-foamed enclosure. Yeah, I, I see some foam. It's good. It's everywhere. There's probably some behind me, too. Yeah, there is. It's all around you. It's right behind me, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's going to start compressing and crush us. We've spent all the Patreon money. Yes. Uh, Jesus. On this uh, this whisper room sound enclosure, which means that we now no longer have to go anywhere to record podcasts. So it's because much we easier. live here, because I, we spent I all of our money. I still have to go somewhere. That's true. You still have to go somewhere. It isn't really any more convenient for you, but it's much more convenient for us. Also, we now have like a phone room and a VO recording thing in our in our uh, co working space. Of course, neither of us is going to ever put VO. No, I don't think a lot of games are being made here that have VO. But there might be one day. There might be one day. And if, you know, if people in San Francisco in the game dev community need to have a small studio space, then this is available. That's true. Hadn't even thought about that. We could charge by the minute. Sure. Like a 1-900 number. Sure. People could walk into this studio and then we could just pretend to be Freddy Krueger telling them spooky stories. <laughs> I also like the idea that they would just, instead of coming in here to record, they would just call us on our 1-900 number. <laughs> We'd put the other end of the phone in here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Recorded into a good mic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you suppose that there exist? So, like, if you called that Freddy Krueger hotline, it was just like little sort of radio play spooky stories. Do you think that those recordings exist anywhere? Do you think that there was ever a point where you could, like, buy oh. them on a CD or a I, series of cassettes? That's a good question. I, I bet some of them are on YouTube. That people have just, I've made this recording at home from the 900 number I called. Oh, yeah. Sure. I'd buy that. Because it wouldn't have been that hard to record a phone call. There's hardware to do it. You could use an answering machine. There you go. wonder if anybody had the foresight to call 1-900-Freddy-Krueger every day. Um, Would he have a different story every day? I don't know. I don't know how often they refresh the stories. Mm-hmm. Would it repeat if you called it twice in a row? I don't know. I never called it even once. Oh, I see. Um, we did once. I don't remember if I've ever told this story on the on the podcast before, but uh, some friends of mine and I uh, had b- built a phone where instead of a phone cord, it just had like alligator clips on the leads, so that we could go to someone else's house outdoors and just clip into their. Oh, phone wow. box and use their use their telephone and we we all were out like just drinking and driving like you, like you did in rural southern illinois and we just went to a church like we pulled the car up next to this church uh, in the middle of nowhere and ran the leads out the window and plugged into their phone box and then hooked the other end of the thing up <clears throat> i had also set it up so that yeah, you could plug it into like a cassette adapter so that we could listen to the phone sex lines that we were calling on the car stereo. Uh, And we knew that they would not have to pay for it because they could just say, we're a church and no one was there at two in the morning. We clearly did not call the phone sex number. Now, I don't know if that's actually true. I hope we didn't cost that church a bunch of money. 
So you, uh, you, you would call phone it phone sex, sex line? Star they were 69. like, they were, <laughs> they were not, it was not like an interactive, like talk to somebody and jerk off kind of phone sex line. It was just like call and it was, the, the, it would just be stories? like a sexy story. Yeah. What in the world? It was, it, it, they were very bad. Like it would have been a real ripoff if anyone had paid for that. Huh. Um. Yeah, man. Remember, remember the good old days when you could do stuff like that with telephones. Jason Scott remembers. <laughs> remember the good old days when the closest you could get to pornography was reading the source code of Leisure Suit Larry <laughs> aloud for twelve hours on Twitch. Yeah, he was reading the source code aloud. Yeah. Huh. For twelve hours. How? But hmm. why? For charity. Okay. I don't know how the charity factored into it, but that's what he said. I bet almost none of it. Well, okay. How much of it was in-game text? Uh, the for I only listened to like a minute of it, and it was all like if conditions, hmm. setting flags. I see. I wonder how, how much source code there was. It's a good question. 12 hours worth read aloud. I, he wasn't going that fast. Was he reading each individual bracket and stuff? <laughs> I think he would. I don't remember, but I think he would say something like open bracket. Yeah. Uh, wow. That seems terrible. So you couldn't see the source code. You could just see him. Right. Huh. But he was wearing a leisure suit. Yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me. Was it a garish leisure suit? Uh, it was like bright blue. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't. It didn't have like dicks drawn on it or something. Mm, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give him some. It was a collaboration later. between uh, uh, Jason Scott and Dr. Cocktail. Who famously drew all of the dicks in Superbad? Um, anyway, famously, <laughs> that's what that guy's. Doctor Cocktail. Yeah, remember? Is he related to Doctor Clock? <laughs> yeah, the guy. Uh, he was at the first Max Fun Con that we went to. Oh, cocktails have been provided by Doctor Cocktail. That was a real person. Yeah, the... he was there. You didn't meet him. No, I mean, sorry. I guess I, for some reason, I just assumed that that was like a fake persona that you like. That's something you would say, like, oh yeah, our drinks are made by like. Dr. Blender over here or whatever, right? And it's just a blender, you know? Like, Yeah, yeah, sense. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, like I say, every morning I get some coffee from my good friend, Mr. Coffee, right. who has not gone to medical school. <laughs> um, what, uh, I, guys, I really enjoyed listening to episode number 354 of Video Games Hot Dog. I thought uh, we did a good job. I was able to do for the first time. Yeah, I like how much Riff talks when I'm not bullying him. <laughs> <laughs> it really makes me want to be nicer to Riff and or not be on the show anymore in 2019. Well, you that's can my only new, do one of those two things. That's my New Year's <laughs> resolution. I could, I could move to Portland, not be on the show, and just like be at Riff's house encouraging him while he's like silently encouraging him Aww. while he's on the <laughs> That seems like a major lifestyle. Just change. holding up like a thumbs up emoji every once in a while or like a hundred emoji. Or a hundred dollar uh, bill. Yeah, yeah. When he says something particularly funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what have you guys been up to since, uh, since the last time y'all recorded? Uh, well, the thing that's most memorable to me is, is uh, loading 3,500 pounds of boxes off of a truck and then unpacking them and constructing this very room. Yeah, that is true. We certainly did that all in one day. Uh, how, many, how many people did this? Me and Zach. Me and just Kevin. You, just you two. Yeah. yeah. The, so it took like, took like eight hours. It was eight hours. Eight hours of pretty much nonstop 
physical labor. Like it wasn't like grueling labor. There wasn't yeah. a lot of it that was like we in holding up heavy stuff or whatever, but it was just a, a tremendous amount of like. Also, there was a page in the instructions for this whisper room that was apologizing, but it said because of recent tariffs on Chinese steel, we have been forced to replace our normal bolts with these other kind of bolts that require a washer. So like literally because of Trump, an extra, I'm, it sounds piddling to complain about having to use bolts with washers on them instead of bolts that don't have washers on them until you realize that there were probably 800 of those bolts used in the construction right. of this entire thing. And every single time that I had to put a washer on one of them before I was able to put it into the hole that it went into, I got a little angrier at Donald Trump. But you already spend 90% of your day angry at Donald Trump. I don't think about it that much. Right. Oh, oh I see. So then this was actually a tremendous impact. Yeah, this was like life. suddenly like I had not unfollowed all the people I unfollowed on Twitter. <laughs> right. Who, Got me mad about Trump all the time. Right. So, yeah, the, we got this thing delivered, and the guy who showed up in the truck did more or less nothing to to get the stuff off of the truck. Yeah. They, they sent it on a truck with a lift gate, but it was on pallets that were too big for the lift gate. <laughs> and Yeah, I don't exactly understand what that was all about. Yeah. it Like, we made... We made arrangements. We knew that this was going to be a pain in the ass. So we we're like, we need to, we, this needs to be on a truck with a lift gate and a pallet jack so that they can actually load this stuff into the theater and that's they, underneath they where we are. Literally provided that and then did not use either. Of yeah, them. because it was like, we well, we sent it on a truck with both those things, but those things are not sufficient to unload these pallets. And it's like, how'd you get them in there? Because it's a load, they got them in there. They got it in there off of loading dock. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we should have had a loading dock. Normally, the people that buy these things have loading docks. We should send them our logo to put on the list of companies that have these <laughs> on their website. Uh, it's like Boeing and uh, Pixar video games and yeah, and video games hot dog. <laughs> um, but then we hired task rabbit we had a couple task rabbit guys to carry everything up the stairs for us which is well just... in theory that we would have gotten them early enough to to get, get it off the truck but we didn't know when the truck was going to arrive yeah it was just within a window i mean you know everything worked out so then we took the 3500 pounds of boxes unpacked them all and assembled this thing over an extremely long period of time we got out of here at like 1 30 in the morning it is oh, a wow. it is a fascinating process like to ship a, a soundproof room and then constructed it's it's like we built the floor well we built a plate first that the floor was going to rest on and then we soundproofed that and then we built the floor and then we started putting up the walls and you build like all the walls and like a ceiling first and you see so then you build like a so you've constructed a room and then you build a second smaller room inside that room uh and then you put an extra roof on it <laughs> yeah um, we were really dreading having to put in a second ceiling, but yeah. then it turns out that you just throw it on top. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the nicest. Like we were exhausted. Have you considered the, like filling the gap with like molasses? Something that slows down sound really well. Uh, well, I was just thinking something delicious. Oh. So no, it smell I'm, nice in here? I'm worried that we will eventually like spill enough like beer and stuff in here that it's going to be, it's going to smell bad or whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, we could try to not spill any beer in here. Sure, that would be great. I mean, we could just say, okay, kids, uh, we've just got this new carpet. No no drinks in the living room. No food in the living room. It keeps falling for Jim, just like April. Oh. Every day. Oh. I was sad that you guys didn't acknowledge Your joke. my joke in the Slack when I said, what time should we record? And you said, I don't care, I but mean, maybe I, I should check with April 1st. I rolled my eyes. Okay. And so, I said, I don't think same. we can wait till April 1st. <laughs> Yeah, it, but you could have done an eye roll emoji, and oh, then I would have at least point. known that you were. That's that's true. Reacting to it. So yeah, we built this whole fucking thing. It's real nice though. It's very well so, well constructed. Have you have you tested how soundproof it actually is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the landlady was down on the on the stage, and kept, the only thing that she can hear is if we like jump around in here. Okay. So because walking. I think that's just providing a bunch of like a direct yeah like sound and put us uh, down. But Kevin was like screaming sense. inside here, and you can't hear it on the stage. So like this right. is actually achieving its ends, which means now we can just be in here and record whenever we want, which is nice. At this volume and not facing the door or the window, you really can't hear anything outside the room. Huh. If you talk at the window, it kind of you that kind of transmits a little bit more sound. Um, and if you're yelling, you can hear outside the wind outside of it a little bit. Um, but it's not too bad. What are you up to, Jim? So my son still, he still can't solo over giant steps and he still can't fix a lawnmower, which uh-huh. is tremendously disappointing to me. But, um, he recently figured out how to scratch his head, which is cool. Like he's got the motor control to figure out how to like move his hand in such a way that it alleviates itching. And I'm super proud of him, and I really wish he would stop because he's fucking up his head. Mm. Oh. Um, Just because he has, like, really sharp claws? Yes, his nails are incredibly sharp. We will occasionally file them down, but then they're sharp again immediately. Uh, And he has recently um, not quite rolled over, but he will roll onto his side occasionally, which is a harbinger of... The horrible times to come where we will put him down somewhere and look away for a second and, and then he'll be gone. He will just like have started. I'm going to go over there now. I'll just cruise over across the room, rolling over and over. Um, And it's a lot like if, you know, like he started like he just suddenly had the motor control and coordination to like every time I pick him up, he would kick me in the nuts. <laughs> I'd be like, that's incredible, buddy. You're doing such a good job kicking me in the nuts. Please stop doing that. Um, but you don't want him to, like, not grow up and be able to kick people in the nuts. You don't want to, like, stunt the growth. So it's like uh, it is one of those things where, like, you are glad something's happening, but you also wish it wasn't. What's the um, what's the equivalent of, like, wearing a cup in this metaphor? Maybe, like, uh, those little gutter blockers they put when they want kids to bowl but not get any gutter balls. Oh, so just like, put those on either side of him all the time? Yeah. Or put him in like a suit that has those attached? Yeah, that that, that sounds easier actually. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, how often do you put the kid down? All the time. Okay. So he's mostly not being held by you? I mean, I, he's actually very good about um about entertaining himself, just, you know, looking at his surroundings or sucking on his fists. The other thing he's learned how to do is he, he used to he would even do this in the womb like his face his fists would always be in front of his face whenever we try to take sonograms of him um but uh 
he has gotten enough motor control now that he will now extend his index and middle finger and stick those right into his mouth. Um, so he's sucking more efficiently. Uh, and he's, of course, gagging himself by doing this, but not like making the connection that he should stop, like <laughs> doing that at that point. I guess like my fingers are long enough that I could gag myself with them. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's probably always been proportionally true. <laughs> so I, I think right. Because I was thinking, probably, yeah. how could a baby gag itself? Its fingers are so tiny, yeah. but so is its mouth. Right. I guess. <laughs> yeah. But it's. The math checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Man. It's fucked up to think about, like, what your baby's skull looks like. Like, you know, when you've seen pictures of baby skulls uh -huh. and they're just fucking horrifying uh -huh. because there's big gaps in between the plates and mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. a bunch of extra teeth Oof, inside dude. there. Oh, I haven't thought are, about that. Like, they're just mostly teeth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Where do those teeth live? Just above your baby teeth. And below it. Yeah. And below in the, in the lower jaw. No. It's awful. Yeah, no, don't don't believe us. Don't, that's, that's actually yeah, a really good idea. Don't look at it, because uh, then you'll never know. So then, oh, God, no. that Yeah, mm, no. I guess sharks have rows and rows and rows of teeth that grow in, like, sort of... Right, and sharks are horrible monstrosities. Okay. Do they get more teeth, or are they born with all of their teeth? Sharks? Yeah. I think they're born with all their teeth, and that's the only reason that they die, is because they run out of teeth. <laughs> no, I think I read that about elephants when I was a kid. That they run out of teeth and die? That they run out, like that it, elephants just starve to death eventually. That's the only way elephants ever die. And it's because they are born with like a certain amount of teeth. And like, I guess if you were an elephant and you wanted to make your rival die earlier, you could just like put a little bit of sand in his food all the time <laughs> so that his teeth would wear down faster. So if someone invents elephant dentures, then we will figure out the next thing they die of as they grow old. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Sure. I remember uh, my dad, and don't get the wrong idea about my dad, because uh, Rush Limbaugh didn't used to be as horrible as he became in the 90s, but my dad would listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot uh, in, like, the early 90s before before he became, like, just a complete whack job. Uh, and he always used to uh, talk about how every human being who's ever eaten carrots has eventually died. So no, I think carrots, carrots is what would call, I mean, except for, or will eventually die. Uh, so if something else doesn't kill you first, carrots will. Right. So that's probably what would happen to the elephants. Well, it's only after they invented the orange carrot. Yeah. Oh, also, and if uh, carrots don't kill uh, elephants, feminazis will. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, I went to, I went to visit my mom in Arizona, uh, and then I came back, and then I assembled this whisper room and then I got kind of sick. So, uh, I'm not as sexy as I sound, but I don't feel as bad as I sound either. I'm kidding. I am as sexy as I sound. Come on. <laughs> I roll emoji. There's no, uh, there's no riff. Uh, cause riffs, uh, visiting. Yeah. We can tell, we can tell people what riff's been up to. Riff has, uh, been, um, looking at boxes of stuff in his parents' attic, including basement, a flame and carrot, comic and the book of the subgenius and a single dragon magazine issue number 100 and a fourth thing that i don't fuck what was the fourth thing in that tweet i'm surprised that i remembered three of the four 
I thought you were making uh, things up. Was it, did you do, get the Mondo magazine? No, Mondo 2000 magazine. Yes, yeah. a copy of Mondo 2000. All right, so between <laughs> Kevin and I, we have memorized a tweet <laughs> by Riff about the stuff that he found in his parents' attic. All right. We miss you, Riff. Uh, yeah. Um, He's in a better place now. <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I guess we could talk about the video games that we've been playing. That's true. We uh, could do that. I... Uh, uh, I have also been playing a tremendous amount of Twinfold, uh, like you yeah. talked about on the last episode. Although I've, I'm getting a little weary. Yeah, because I'm now mostly my experience with it is starting a game, having it not go very well in the opening parts, and then restarting. Yep. And getting kind of frustrated with the like, the starting conditions are such that sometimes it's one move to get to the next tier, and sometimes it's 50 moves to get to the next tier, depending on the yep. the randomization of the levels, which, you know, that is what it is. And I still think that it is a wonderful game, but I like eventually, you know, if something else doesn't kill your enthusiasm for a game, <laughs> eventually the carrots or the randomness will. It's it's tricky because the, the games where you're doing really well last a long time and... You you're never gonna you just don't know whether you're gonna hit some sort of random event that is gonna cause you to lose or whether you can keep going until the end that there apparently is. It's another it's another thing that makes me feel like it is like a Michael Bro game in that like Syncopaus, once you've got a few power ups, is easier. Like you're more likely mm. to survive a given situation in your 10th game in a streak than you are in your first one just because you have more tools at your disposal. And I like in the good games that I've had of Twinfold, it's like, oh yeah, now there's, I just, every time a situation pops up and there's some enemies, I can see a way of handling this. Whereas that is often like not true at all in the first couple of screens of enemies because you just don't have a lot of options for dealing with them and even the simple enemies can become a really significant threat depending on the the way that the level gets generated when you're when you're not immune to pits right yeah yet. i feel like that's a thing that's common to a lot like that was true of nethack as well that mm -hmm. the early game was often harder than the mid late game mid or late game i guess i only ever ha was in the early game Right. Like, I don't. I, I always attributed all of my NetHack deaths to just carelessness or not understanding how systems worked or whatever. Usually, but, um, yeah. I mean, I never. Like, I think there is an early game of NetHack where even experienced players will just like drink potions to see what they do, or just shoot wands yeah, to see what they you're do. Not losing anything yeah, yeah. You just die. But eventually, you have to stop doing that. You know, right. like once you're like say once you've gotten to the bottom of the mines, then you have to start being more careful or whatever. Right. But like, yeah, I don't know. Regarding, um, I, so I don't know if you were expressing frustration that that the uh, games would vary drastically in their difficulty, but like that's also something that like, for example, um, Binding of Isaac makes that a strength. I think um, the the that you get a wide variety of stuff in your first couple of levels, and that can drastically affect how difficult the game is. Yeah, but. So for for contrast, um, the most recent versions of Microsoft Solitaire will that it offers an option for um, you can play the classic mode, which is just a random deal, or you can play um, one of three difficulty levels that are all guaranteed solvable, 
but they. And this is Klondike or Spider? This is, this is Klondike. Okay. Although I, I, I haven't, I don't know. Spider might actually have that same <coughs> feature, but I'm talking about Klondike, uh, which is interesting. Which is like it, it's it's a uh, being able to pick like the the Klondike difficulty level you want feels weird to me, but yeah, because it feels like that's not that. It's taking a thing that is decidedly a non-computer game yeah. and doing a thing with it that you could very much only do yeah. with a computer, which is a weird intersection. Like, yeah, but I mean, but I dig it. Like, if you want a certain experience, then then you can get it. Um, I played also. Uh, this is out. I think it's coming out of. I learned about this because it was coming out of early access, like tomorrow or something. Uh, but it was. I looked at what was going to happen in that patch, and it was just changes to some endgame stuff. And so I decided to buy and play it right before it came out of early access. But it's called Atom RPG, A-T-O-M. And it's sort of just a Russian fallout. Um, it's it's top-down. Like, it looks like Fallout. It's it's 3D, like with a fully rotatable camera and stuff. Like, really, what it looks like is Wasteland Two. Um, so far, in my experience of uh, like, I played like 45 minutes or an hour of it. The writing is, it's definitely got like translation issues, but I also think that maybe it's not very good. Like in addition to 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 being not English's first language. Um, like the 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 voiceover for the like their equivalent of war war never changes is like very badly translated and then read by someone who does not speak English as their first language either it's <laughs> it's a strange uh it's a strange thing to hear um the game did a handful of things that made me really trust it uh you are kind of running around this first town and you have to like, I don't, I don't, I'm not actually a hundred percent sure what my goal is here, but my goal, because it's an RPG is to like level up. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to do all the quests in this first little town area before I went in. But, um, there are, there's some sort of enemies that are just like bugs and rats and stuff running around outside and you fight them and, and do whatever. And they, you know, they leave their corpses and their corpses don't have any drops on them. Um, and then I found this guy later on who's like sitting by a fishing hole and he says, if you bring me something, I'll teach you how to make bait out of insects and rats and stuff that you kill. And I was like, ah, fuck. Like, should I have talked to this guy before I killed any of those things so that I could have gotten drops from them? But then I realized after I took him the thing that all of the corpses of all the ones that I had ever killed were still there. And then huh. when I went back to them, they had the stuff on them that I could loot as a result of him teaching me how to make bait out of them, which is then theoretically a thing that I could have gone back and like traded for fish. Like the pond becomes a fish vendor that accepts bait as currency, <laughs> which is how ponds work in real life, I guess, if you think about it. Um, That's cool. There is also, there's a bunch of, I don't, know for sure whether it's doing any die rolls behind the scenes for dialogue options that require a certain skill or stat but there so far i have not encountered any situation where there was a penalty for failure so like you can try to trick someone and if your speechcraft isn't high enough you can just go level up and come back and then trick them in the exact same way that they saw through before which doesn't make a lot of sense from a narrative standpoint but 
from a gameplay standpoint, it's like, well, this is just preventing me from quick saving before right. I try this thing. And I think, I hope that there are no die rolls. I think it's a little bit of a weird decision if you need speechcraft of 50 to do this, but it doesn't tell you you need 50. It just says this is a speechcraft check, right? right? And then if you and if you do it, it just says it doesn't work. But I tried the same one like 30 times in a row to see at one point and then just... Um, I yeah. guess doing you should find one that you can pass and save and reload save on and that load one. and see if I ever fail it yeah. yeah um I it it does not it's not very generous with auto saves and I lost uh, the like I, I sort of stopped playing it when I lost a lot of progress uh from just like getting in a fight that I was not expecting and then just losing real hard hmm. um but I had already decided that I was going to start over with a new character now that I know a little bit more about how the systems work anyway um, it seems pretty promising like it's it at least seems like an RPG for me. Like it might not be an RPG for other people because I don't really care that the writing is bad and I don't really care that like the characters are not super interesting and they don't behave in a super realistic way and none of them are warlords, which is what everybody else likes in RPGs. I tried to play uh, – there's a new like total conversion mod for Fallout New Vegas that just came out called New California that had been huh. being worked on for like seven years. And uh, I followed all the instructions on how to install it, but whenever I have those files selected and I go to run Fallout New Vegas, it just like crashes at the title screen. So, and the project has been in development so long that you can't really Google anything about it not working because... Uh, it's it just, just wiki posts from six years ago about <clears throat> 400 minor revisions ago crashing on startup or whatever. It's, do do you need an older version of Fallout? I mean, it says that it works with the Steam one and it was released. It came out of beta like five days ago. So I assume hmm. that it's at least supposed to work the way that it's, uh, it's been set up. Um, also, uh, I only played maybe 20 minutes of it, but uh, Abigail Korfman, who made Open Sorcery, that um, just super complicated twine game where you're a kind of a you're a like an elemental spirit that's been bound to an AI. So it's this very like sort of you're accessing everything as though you're doing it through computer terminals, but also there's magic. Uh, she released a piece of DLC for that called Jingle Bells, B-E-L slash S, where that is an uh, acronym for some uh, computer thing that you are that seems very charming and good in the same way that the original game was good. Um, I didn't play uh, enough of it to tell you how long it is. But it's like three bucks, and it's good. So DLC for a Twine game, what does that look like? Uh just a different twine game okay yeah <laughs> like it's i don't i think you have to own open sorcery to play it like mm. i i had not bought open sorcery on steam i think i bought it on itch and then it later came out on steam but i and i so i just i, I bought another copy of it so that i could buy the dlc and i don't know like it doesn't seem like there's any reason that it couldn't be a standalone game except that it wouldn't necessarily make any sense like it doesn't explain the kind of basic interaction it might use the same modality the way that yeah it's also not going to count uh towards the 10 million that she needs to get to before she starts getting 
the better twenty five percent revenue share. Yeah, yeah that's true. <clears throat> I believe that's all the video games that I played. Hmm. Did I talk about Mutant Year Zero? I don't think so. Okay, I think all the time that I spent playing Mutant Year Zero uh, was before or was after the last show that I was on. Um, Mutant Year Zero is a game by Funcom, which is weird because it's not just unfinished trash, which is normally what comes out of that studio. A lot of it I love. Uh, I was a huge fan of The Secret World, but it was definitely unfinished. It was an unfinished trash fire of an MMO at launch. <laughs> Um, it is, uh, it's like XCOM. It's like the new XCOM games. You're a team of like a Howard, the duck looking duck guy and a, like, uh, whichever one of bebop and or rocksteady is the pig looking pig guy. I think that's bebop. I should know this cause I was a huge fan of that show. Yeah, he the pig had the beatbox, right? Like I think or the boombox, the beatbox. I think so. Yeah. I'm assuming the guy with the boombox is the guy that's named Bebop. And then, like the the rhino wore like an army helmet. Okay. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Um so it's <clears throat> it's got a map that you can move around in, but it seems pretty linear in terms of the enemies that you encounter being very dramatically scaled in difficulty like one area will be much much harder than another area in indicating to me that there's probably not really any way to do them in the wrong order it's a very stealth focused XCOM like game in that a lot of what you're doing is waiting for a bad guy to get away on a patrol route from the group of other people so that you can kill him without him alerting the other enemies and thus starting a huge area-wide fight against every enemy in the zone, which will just kill you. I'm playing it on easy mode and still having a tremendous amount of trouble winning fights. Um, you you can do... Like, part of it is just learning the flow of it, which is, like, using silenced weapons, and if you can get a guy such that you can kill him with silenced weapons all in one round, then he won't get a chance to alert. Like, you can all three shoot him. It really belies a weird assumption that people are making about turn-based combat games, which is that nothing is happening for the guy when it's not his turn, right? right? So, like, you shoot him, you spend, like, a, a minute maneuvering all three of your guys into into place and shooting him, but he he can't yell out until it's his turn. Until it's his turn. <laughs> um, so I is I guess the implication is that in in the actual fiction of what's going on, all of these things are happening simultaneously. Like yeah, you've all gotten into there's some causality problems, right? I don't think the abstraction totally can play out in real time. Like in most turn-based games I've seen, there's usually something that just is too fiddly to actually make sense. Yeah. But, I mean, it's an abstraction that we all just put up with because we like that sort of game. I like the, um, like, just from a from a realism standpoint, the kinds of games where you, the turn-based games where you plan out a turn and then everybody moves in at once. Yeah. Is, is a lot easier to, uh, and I, I actually thought XCOM was one of those. So this, 
again, like I said, even playing on easy, I've gotten to a point where there are there are these robots that are armored, so they are pretty difficult to kill. Like they just like the amount of the the something that I appreciate about this is that it's you always have either a 25, 50, 75 or 100 percent chance to hit. And the amount of damage that a gun will do is like six. Right. And like with an end game, if you've upgraded it, your gun through all the stages of upgrades that are possible, all two of them, it does eight damage instead of six. Um, but what it means is that enemies getting more hit points is like a really big deal. And mm. enemy having armor is a huge deal. Does that take out of because every it just, hit? Yeah, it just takes points of damage off of every time you hit them. And so it's gotten to the point where there are these robots that are also healers. And they are healers to the extent that they can resurrect enemies that you've already killed. Jeez. And like one enemy is a really significant threat. So a thing that can resurrect dead enemies is a huge problem for you. And can you kill very early on? So right now the zone that I'm supposed to be in, I'm pretty sure like the, the place that I need to go in the, in the quest progression and like, and I haven't found anywhere else that I can go and like kill some guys that I didn't already kill to level up some more. Um, I got to the point where, all right, I need to kill this robot medic guy without alerting the whole zone if I'm if I'm going to make any progress here. One of the first weapon upgrades that you get, like you can, there's, weapons have like a slot for a damage augmenter and then a slot for like a scope. And the scope like, in, you know, fixes to hit and range and stuff. And the damage modifiers make it do other stuff. One of the first ones you get is it. this has a 20% chance to stun a robot when you shoot them with it. And the only way that I'm going to be able to make any progress here is if I successfully stun the robot so that I can have two rounds to kill him with my silent mm -hmm. weapons. And so what I found myself doing was just reloading from a save, uh, shooting him rough. to see if I rolled the one in five to stun him and like it didn't work like seven or eight times in a row. And I just quit playing the game huh. probably forever because I, and I don't know, I don't know what I would do about that as a designer. Or yeah. As a like it, uh, when, when you talk about something, having a one in five chance of working, I feel like that should just be something the player just never chooses to do because it's, <laughs> Yeah. Like, so why not at that point as a designer, just make it so that that, just, that will never work? Yeah. I mean, it's. In fact, why not just take die rolls out of the game? Out of everything? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I find it dissatisfying to have no randomness, right? Yeah. Like, I think a sword that does four to six damage is fundamentally more interesting to me even in a gameplay standpoint than a sword that does five damage every time yeah but i don't i don't actually think that like missing is a fun mechanic yeah right i agree i i think that like the way that i play something like an XCOM or something like a uh, wasteland 2 is to only shoot if I've maneuvered into a flank or whatever where I have an effectively 100% chance of hitting and I wish it were just 100% and it is in this game which is really nice that 
I think what I wish this robot thing was like, they don't want you just doing it all the time, right? Like they don't want, okay, once you get this, every robot in the game is stun locked forever. Cause that's right. a bummer, but like make it an activatable ability with a cooldown, Right. So you can use it once per fight or something, but like, don't, I just, and like, I straight up just don't understand how you're supposed to survive a fight in this video game on even the normal difficulty level. There are four difficulty levels, right? And I'm playing on difficulty one of four, and it's... Maybe they forgot to actually change the difficulty for the difficulty Oh, that's just ratings. not hooked up to anything. That's the secret way in which the Funcom game is not finished. Yeah. <laughs> huh. It, it feels like... Looking at the map and looking at the number of places that are available on the map, it seems like I got maybe two-thirds of the way through the game, which, like, an XCOM game with, like, a six-hour campaign, that sounds fucking great to me. And it's pretty tight. There's stuff to do. There's not a lot of randomness. Like, you find the same weapons in the same chests, and, like, you unlock the same characters at the same points, and it, like... Was the difficulty a slider? Could you have slid it the wrong direction? No, it was just... It was some... It was some uh, ones. Was there a picture of like a baby with a pacifier and then a sign saying, this is you? Yeah. Yeah. There okay. was, please don't hurt me, daddy. Right. That. Uh, well, that's a dark. I forgot. Wasn't that what the Wolfenstein? I think you're right. I think it, don't hurt me. Was it that or was that, was it Duke Nukem? There was, no, that was in Wolfenstein. I see. Yeah. And I think they even did it in the new Wolfenstein that was actually good. I think there was actually the like super high fidelity BJ Blazkowicz with like a bonnet and a pacifier. But in the new Wolfenstein, there was actually uh, paternal abuse in the story. So that's, oh, yeah. that's fitting. Huh, right. Yeah, wow. Huh. Uh, I forgot. That reminded me. You you mentioning a slider reminded me of two more games that I played, uh, one of which was Below, which I bounced off of real hard. I, I am certain that it is a good game, but uh, man. What, what do you think is good? I've only seen like I've only seen like screenshots of this. What, what do you think is good about it? Uh, it's very it's very atmospheric and moody. And it I think the reason that it is not explaining its basic mechanics to me is because it wants me to have to discover them. But there are certain things about it that I don't want to have to discover on my own, which is like, what what the fuck is anything? Like, is this game proc gen? I'd like to know. I think it is. Yeah. What happens? What is, is there anything that you keep between lives? Uh, is there any kind of progression? How does navigating between spaces work? Like right. just the kind of basic stuff that I would ordinarily want to be immersed in the mystery of for a few minutes and then if I don't figure it out I go look it up but you can't look anything up about this game because the name of this game is Below and you can't fucking Google anything about it and there are no longer any the only like written guides for video games that are on the web anymore are auto-generated blank ones that are SEO'd to the point where they oh, show yeah, up at the top you, of everything and, and don't contain any information at you all. To add something to yeah. his wiki, um, so, <laughs> uh, but at the same time that I bought below, because I, I was just like, "Wow, the carousel is really showing me a lot of things that I'm interested in buying today." I bought a game called Book of Demons, which is 
a very nakedly Diablo one influenced and inspired dungeon crawl, but it's got a real strange control scheme. You, you are a guy, everything in it is kind of made out of folded paper, which is weird because it doesn't really do anything with that. It's just a, it's just a weird art style. Uh, like your guy just looks kind of like an origami guy. Um, you go into a dungeon and the, the rooms have like a central channel in the middle of them, which is the only thing that you can move in, right? You're just clicking or you can WASD in it, but you can only be in the like pipe dream section of the tile that the pipe is on and the enemies can be wherever and you will always sort of be auto attacking your guy doesn't animate like you you don't ever see the you don't ever like swing a sword right you'll auto you'll auto attack whatever monster you're sort of mousing over or you can click to or hold down the mouse button to attack it more often than the auto attack and so a lot of it is just kind of like a weird tower defensey sort of thing where you you can move around but mostly you're just trying to like do as much damage as you can before you have to back up a little bit so that the monsters don't get in range to attack you and they like drop stuff that you mouse over to pick up and they you have your your spells and your equipment are all the same thing which are these cards that go into slots on the bottom and spells cost mana to use or skills cost mana to use and equipment that's enchanted just locks up mana it just sort of reduces max huh. mana which is it, it, it's an interesting thing um but the 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 actually novel thing about it is that it's played out in these sessions where it just generates some dungeon levels for you and there's just a length slider like you say how long do you want this session to be and it's like, and it also says, and this is true, the time estimates get more accurate the more you play, right? Huh. Like, it's like, if you have the slider here, we think this is going to take you about seven minutes to finish this dungeon. And it just, and this is how many, like, reward nodes there will be and about how many monsters there will be. And you can, it it's dungeon generation algorithm just does, it generates the entire spectrum all at once. So when you, you get a kind of map which shows you, okay, there's going to be a big level and then two small levels and then a big one and here's where the bosses are going to be in it or whatever. And as you move the slider, that just sort of shrinks and grows and more levels or fewer levels get get shown to you. And it's really interesting. Yeah, like, I'm digging that. Like the, the first time I saw something like that was bug tracking software that would, after it got a sense of how long it would take you, like your, your estimated bug fix time versus your actual bug fix, fix time after it got a sense of like what your proportions are um it would like it could take an analysis of all the bugs that were in the database and give you like an estimated ship date for like how, and it like to hear i've never actually used one of these because you pay money to do it um but uh <coughs> from what i hear it seems pretty accurate oh. this game it starts out on a pretty ballsy note. You you buy you buy the game and the title screen is seven like plinths in a library 
and this game is the book on one of those plinths. So they're like, like this is the first of a seven game series, and it's all going to have this same launcher. Like, hmm, okay, <laughs> if it, like if you say so, Scrappy Upstart Studio. Real ambitious. Like, yeah. Um. Oh, I guess it's book. It's a pop up book, and that's why everything is paper. Oh. That makes huh. sense. That I had forgotten that that was the framing. It device. also might like unlock, you know, more modes or something. And the oh, I see. The the, the book is called Book of De- the game is called Book of Demons, and the book on the plinth, the one of seven plinths, is called Book of Demons. Okay. So I don't know, but the the writing is hokey, but not it's it's inoffensive. <laughs> um, that's yeah. There's my high, high praise. Yeah. <laughs> Ignorable. So I had played more than I thought. So when you said it was similar to Diablo one, is that you mean like it's kind of a horror game? No, it just has a lot of jokes in it that are just parodies of Diablo one. Like oh. there's the characters in town are the same people as in Diablo one. I forget what his, um, th- there's just a, Let's say stay a while and listen, but in it, like just a slightly rearrange the words, you know, like that kind of parody where you just replace a word with a synonym oh, sure. of that That's word. And, and yeah, uh, <laughs> it's I mean, you know, it's it, it is hilarious because of the amount of effort that goes into doing it. Right. It's <laughs> like it's it's commensurate <laughs> sure, with sure. the work. So there's a lot of. uh there's there's just that it's just that it's like a bunch of jokes about diablo one um the the first like boss thing that you encounter is the cook and he's a big demon who like cooks and eats i see what you're saying yeah Yeah. so it's yeah i don't know i mean maybe the other books so this is book of demons and you know diablo is really definitely a game about fourth one demons like diablo four comes out well no i was maybe that'll be like book of Angels. War, and then it's oh. like it's you know a bunch of orcs versus humans stuff, and then like book of space elves, and and then it's like, uh, and then let's see, book of Overwatch, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no book of Heroes of the Storm because they've like basically given up on that. Was that the was that a a, a Loma? Yes. Okay. And now that's now that concludes the news segment. Blizzard doesn't care about hots anymore. What have you guys been playing? Which one of you wants to go first? Jim. Okay. I uh, I've been playing the uh, there's a there was a remastered uh, Spyro trilogy that came out recently for modern systems, and I've been playing the first game and I'm really digging it. Oh yeah. I had um, I had played uh, a little bit of Spyro for PS1 like I don't know maybe 2008 or so in emulation and I didn't really like it and I'm not I don't remember now why I didn't like it I don't, I don't know if it was like bad emulation or bad controls or what I know that that game worked with uh, I know you had to be able to play like PS1 games with the D-pad and so like Making a 3D platformer with like D-pad tank controls might have been a bad idea that I didn't like. Is that um, because not everyone had, like the six axis was a late addition? Yeah, to, the dual shock or the dual shock side. Yeah, yeah. The um the two analog sticks they uh they introduced that controller in response to the Nintendo 64. 
which was a couple of years after the PS4, PS1 launched. Oh, so the PS1 was just a D-pad and four buttons? It was just a Super Nintendo controller, basically. Did it have, did it only have two? It might have one... two shoulders. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was just the D-pad and the buttons and start select. and That's, nobody ever needs more than that. I, you can make a bunch of games like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm really, uh, like, I'm surprised. I, I've played a ton of 3D platformers, and I'm surprised, like, how much this is its own thing. Like, it's clearly in, like, squarely in the Mario 64 idiom, but it does a bunch of stuff that other 3D platformers don't, meaning, like, it didn't, like, get these ideas from other platformers, and also other platformers just didn't take ideas from this game, which is interesting. Do you, like, do you have the ability to fly? So, yeah, you can... So, there are levels where you have, like, uh, like flying, like, like, flight sim flying, okay. which are weird, but for the... Um, Running around, collecting stuff, Mario 64-style levels, you can glide. And a lot of the gameplay comes from um, trying to get enough elevation to glide to a certain place. A lot of the level puzzle design is built around that sort of mechanic. Right. So it's just the cucko uh, collecting from it is a lot like Ocarina that. of yeah. Time? Yeah. Um, the, like, for one of the things that I thought was clever was like there there are enemies in this game that are attached to moving platforms and when you attack them you basically stun them and then they're then platforms will either stop doing something or start doing something and so usually like you know, these guys are running around uh being impish next to these cylinders that rise out of the ground so when you stun them you jump on the cylinder to get to the next area um but there's one of them where it doesn't seem to be attached to the cylinder. And then there's another cylinder across the level that doesn't seem to be attached to a person. And you have to realize that one of the puzzles is realizing that, like, you know, you stun this guy and then you run across the level and jump on that cylinder before it gets too high to jump on. Jeez. Um, and I thought that was a really, like, uh, it, it was very, like, satisfying like it's clearly a game for children. Like you, if you're in this, you're in this mode where you're you're running around doing very simple collection, and it's never too difficult. Like the combat is usually pretty easy, um, to the point where like it's, you know, the, these enemies, these ogres will be taking like big wind up swings at you, and then you just blast them with fire, and they just it interrupts their attack, and they fall over, and the animation sells it as like, that's funny that that happened, that you just like took this guy out in one hit and they never like, they never do the thing where like, okay, now this one, you have to hit him three times because that it's, would... just, it's just Indiana Jones shooting the swordsman every single fight. <laughs> right. And <laughs> it works as, you know, it's, it's satisfying. It works. And it's never like, I, I would not, they wouldn't make the game better to have to do it three times. You know, or it wouldn't it wouldn't make the game better for suddenly one of these guys. Well, and and they, I forget what I was getting at before when I was talking about the game being for children. Uh, but like the the game is full of like tiny mechanical game mechanic mysteries where like you are introduced to a, a thing that you have to figure out how to interact with it, um, and you can either figure it out or like eventually one of the dragons you rescue will tell you how to do it. And I've just been skipping those because, um, the, what the dragons have to say is never interesting, but it is 
kind of neat that like they all have like for all the the equivalent of the Mario 64 stars is these dragon dragons that have been petrified or locked in a statue or something. It's always the same statue, but the dragons always look different. So I'm not sure what's happening. There. <laughs> um, but you rescue these guys and the they just modeled 80 unique dragons. Jeez. And they wrote it's, like it's weird that it wouldn't be eighty unique statues then because it's just the same model with the different color. I, yeah, I think they would have want they wanted to make them like recognizable as like that's definitely this collectible I see. from a distance. Um, and they like gave them all like a, a short snippet of dialogue to exchange with Spyro, uh, which is never actually good, but it's cool that they did it. <laughs> is it voiced? Yeah. And there's no subtitles, which is a weird thing. Like, I was really weirded out. Like, and not that I wanted to, you know, hear what they were saying, but it was very strange to me that, like, there isn't an option for it. Didn't they get some complaints about that, actually? I think I've seen some, yeah. Right, and then and then they responded in a really, which is because it was like Toys for Bob that did this, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they responded in a way that was really like, fuck off. I haven't seen that. Huh. Yeah. Um. That's a bummer. But yeah, I've been I've been really digging it. I'm closing in on the end of the first game and there's two more of them, so I'll see if they like I've seen art from later games that is kind of a uh, like even even the art in this game is kind of like borderline turn me off of the game in that like the characters are very like like Don Bluth or Hanna-Barbera and I I think of that stuff as like as as for some reason like i think of that as like off-putting in the same way that todd mcfarlane is art is like like in All dark spawn stuff or... yeah um maybe it's just that it's so overdone i'm not sure like the it, it has uh sound effects that are clearly like inspired by like the dragon's lair sound effects hmm. um uh, and then, and like, later games are, like, same art style, but then also there's, like, a sexy chipmunk or something. <laughs> it's just like, all right. So you find you find the art of Dragon's Lair to be, like, grotesque? Uh, Dragon's Lair is fine. Um, and I think I believe that because I was a kid when I first saw it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, like, I, I don't... The grotesque is the wrong word. Like, I, I shouldn't have made the comparison to Spawn because it's not exactly the same thing. But, like... Hmm. I guess I think of it as it being kind of cheap. Cheap is, yeah. In a weird uh-huh. way, but I can't really justify that. It's well, cheap in a way that, like, Cracked Magazine feels cheaper than Mad Magazine. Oh, interesting. Which is also, when I think about them, very hard to... It's very hard for me to actually defend that statement. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, like... I mean, I don't know. I feel like why, why, in my head, do I think of... Mad Magazine as being somewhat classy and Cracked Magazine as being sort of like edgelordy and shitty. Like it's not, yeah, I don't, I bet they're not actually that different. Yeah. I don't, I, I couldn't tell you that like, but I have the same association, but I couldn't tell you why I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you like an actual justification for it. And I think a lot of maybe my reaction here is coming from, um, I'm accustomed to games in this style having coming from like a Japanese background and there's a certain alienness to it that is innate to it for like a for an for someone with 
coming from a Western background. There is like just uh, the the aesthetic choices tend to be just weirder. Um, and presumably it's not it like things like, you know, the the leaf turning you into a raccoon. I think that has origins in some sort of Japanese mythology. Um but to an American audience, that's just weird. And weird is like something that I am just kind of into for its own sake. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's why Nico Atsume was a was a much better game before they localized it. Yeah, right. Right. It, right. And, and that that has the same sort of like when I was talking about Spyro, like ha- having a lot of like tiny mechanical mysteries in it. I feel like that Nico Atsume, like a lot of what you got out of the Japanese version of that is just figuring out how it even works. Yep. Um, and from an, like doing the same thing from an American perspective, you are, um, you're drawing on things like Mother Goose and Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera and all that stuff is like, in my mind, just like, I don't want, I don't need to see any more of that. Like I've, in, I've experienced enough of that in my life and um, I would rather you go in a new direction with it. But, like, they're also drawing on a bunch of – I mean, drawing on those things means drawing on a lot of wells that are very successful. And so – and, again, this is a game for children. So, like, I probably shouldn't be judging it, like, too harshly on that regard. What do you suppose the modern legacy of, like, Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal is is there anything like that because i feel like when we were kids it felt like there was some kind of dark shit that we were still allowed to that was like still being made for us yeah and th- that must still exist like i don't i, I mean sure unless Potter gets pretty dark right yeah but that that's an audience for like tweens and up like i think of the dark crystal as being for like kids kids yeah really like and i i, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't show uh, Dark Crystal to like an eight-year-old. Yeah, like, I, I like would, yeah, I would be surprised because it, it's like. It's, but but I think that was the intended uh, audience. Be, really? I, I mean, that's my sense of it. I thought it was like, for adults. I thought it was. I mean, that's, that's originally probably, probably like, a better idea. Originally, it was like not subtitled or something. Like there was something. There was some weird. Oh yeah, he wanted it to not. He wanted it to not be in English. Like, yeah. Oh, interesting. Like no English, no subtitles. Like it, it was written, but just you just had to. Be, and like looking at you, would totally more or less understand what was going on as well as you did. Yeah. Like right, because they would say the same word to refer to the same thing or whatever. Like they say Gelfling five hundred times. Like right. you would have figured out that yeah. Jen was a Gelfling. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it, I mean, I don't know. I think I would. I would show that movie to an eight-year-old because I feel like seeing a lot of stuff when I was too young for it was probably <laughs> what twisted you into good. the person you are. It was now. good for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, like I remember being seven and like, and maybe I was a little older than seven. I don't know. I don't know how old I was when Conan the Barbarian came out, but like Conan the Barbarian was like my favorite thing when I was like a little kid, and. The Dark Crystal, I think, is less. He's like maybe like a toddler because there's a lot of like, wow, there are like basically babies just getting all of the life sucked out of them by this machine uh, in in this thing. Like, 
that's pretty gross. But there's got to be, unless there's just not anything like that now, right? I mean, like, maybe that went the way of, like, you know, we were also allowed to just leave the house and wander off into the neighborhood or the forest yeah, unsupervised. That, that's for totally plausible. I was, so I was thinking about when you said you, that when you were a little kid, you were really into Conan the, Conan the Barbarian. For me, that was He-Man, and I think you got the better deal there. <laughs> like, they weren't, not just yeah, from, Conan wasn't trying to sell me anything, right, but just, he was like fucking just bifurcating dudes. Right, right but, and like, I, don't, I don't even mean like from an artistic standpoint. I mean like from like, I think... Uh, that was better for your mental development than than like being surrounded by ads all day. I mean, I was also watching He Man, right? Oh, sure, okay, but yeah, it's because it was the next best thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way I'm going to get my only way I'm going to get my like guy wearing some sort of harness instead of a shirt hitting stuff with a sword, right? That's- uh, and I played. Um, <laughs> That's right. We're still talking about video games. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I played Westport Independent, which is a game that seems to be seems to have been inspired by Papers Please. It's a game about uh, running a newspaper in a police state, hmm. um, and you're making decisions about um, what stories to run, and you're doing this by like you can you you have a, a a bunch of stories in your inbox. And um, you can choose from one of a few headlines. Some of them are more like provocative, provocative than others. Yeah. And you can strike out individual sentences from the story. So like they start out with every possible take on this event being in the in the text and you choose which one you want to emphasize by crossing the other ones out. And then you give your stories to uh, individual writers who each have, like, their own preferences for what they're willing to write about and, like, how also they also have a meter for, like, how much the, how suspicious the government is of them. Uh-huh. Um, this sounds way better than Papers, Please to me. <laughs> it's – I think it's more interesting, but, like, I don't think it – like – I didn't feel like I was really making any sort of difference in the outcome. Like, mm-hmm. so one, th- maybe on, maybe if I replayed it, I would change my mind about that. But like I was given, st- giving stories to people, they would, they would sometimes refuse the stories, which is like, that's, that's a factor you have to deal with. Like at one point, and the, and the government is like writing, giving you warning letters about like this, this guy is uh, really riling people up. Uh, we're going to do something about it if you don't. And eventually they arrest the guy, um, meaning the the writer. So then you just don't have him as an option anymore? Yeah. And so, do you think like, that always happens at that point in the playthrough? No, I think it was mechanical. I think mm. it was because I was giving him a bunch of provocative stories to write. Is there anything I, – I didn't play enough of Papers, Please – to really understand how it was structured as a game. Is it just always the same sequence of people with the same things I think happening? Definitely. I don't know. I don't know if, how much of it's randomized. If, if any, um, it felt like there was a bunch of room for it to be randomized. Uh, but with, with sort of key pillar characters that would return. Cause there's, there was that one character that just kept trying to like pass off, fake documents and you kept recognizing them as the same person and that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's possible that uh, 
the individual, like the sort of the the filler characters that you were dealing with more often, or more 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 often than not, was uh, procedural. <laughs> but I don't know that for sure. And when did you finish it? Is, uh, Papers, is, please. I never did actually. Okay, I'm just curious, like if it pays off. Like so, the way this game. Well, like I got to an ending. I did not get like. Sure. I don't know if. Yeah. I don't know what how that works actually. This game just. You play it for twelve in-game days, and then, uh, a, like a certain like a law goes into effect, which gives the government more control of news organizations, um, and then you get a bunch of like here's a few things that happened maybe as a result of your, uh-huh. um, and I, I didn't really feel like I had that much con- like meaningful control over those things. I like I ended up not being very satisfied with that stuff. Um, but I wonder like, because part of it is because I was really like, I was being as provocative as possible just to see what would happen. Mm. So maybe it lasts longer if you're not being super provocative. Well, it's no, it always ends in 12 days. What's your incentive to not, I mean, you're just your own, your own feeling that you're telling people the truth. That's what I want to, Oh, to not, um, to not be provocative. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, do your employees get mad at you? Uh, your employees, I don't, I don't think they'll ever like quit or get mad, but they <laughs> like, but they will like refuse to write things and they will like one, one thing that happened to me was that one got arrested, mm. um, which means that you now have one fewer story in your newspaper every day, which is an interesting like handicap. Um, other factors are like you're also trying to sell newspapers. And so if you're trying to sell newspapers, then uh, you want it to be as provocative as possible without pissing the government off. But also you want to like like uh, the also you want to like write stories about celebrities, which huh. is not provocative to the government at all. That's just like, you know, it's just pap that the the, the public is crazy about. Um and I thought that stuff was interesting, but like, I didn't really see any consequences. Like, aside from losing losing uh, writers, like I expected to like be shut down early or some sort of bad thing to happen to me ludically. But um, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I do think it's probably like mechanically more interesting than Papers Please. Uh, and I played um, Paratopic. Oh yeah, you know about this? Yeah. Have have, have you guys talked about it on on the? I did once. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a weird one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you guys know about this? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is. A, do you know what Paratopic means? No. I don't. As a word, like I, I, it apparently refers to um, as an adjective. It refers to like the connective tissue. Or like in terms of storytelling, it refers to like the sections of the story between where the plot happens. Oh, that's that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it does because nothing happens in this game. Like there are no plot points that occur. Yeah, um, it's just driving between stuff, and then you don't see what the stuff is. It's right. Yeah, um, but it is extremely. So this is a game that is. It's basically a walking sim, if you want to use that term. Um, uh, where you are like, I, I didn't know this, but apparently reading about this game, you're apparently like playing like three different people. Um, you're playing a smuggler 
and an assassin and a uh, photographer. And I just thought this was a person who lived a weird life with. Yeah, I think I thought it was one person also. Yeah. Um, but uh, you you are playing these little vignettes where you are like in one you're tasked with like smuggling some VHS tapes like, somewhere um, by a guy who's like whose face keeps like wobbling around and changing resolutions. Um, in another one, you are shooting a guy who owns a bunch of VHS tapes and who, so maybe that's where the tapes came from. Um, in another one, you're photographing some birds in a forest. Um, and maybe that's what was on, on the VHS tapes. And in, um, several sections, you are like driving down a highway um, for a long for, time. It's, it's a very, yeah, it's very like, was this the game that had that, the moment at the elevator? That yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that was the thing that was the, the, that made me describe it as being very confidently paced. Oh like yeah. The fact that it makes you wait like two full minutes for that elevator to show up. And then when you get in the elevator, it just teleports you downstairs. Like, yeah, it's, I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, actually, it was very, very good. Yeah. Um, and the driving, like, I would guess each driving sequence is like four or five minutes long. I bet it's not that long, but it's see, it's it's real. It feels that long. Feels that long. Yeah, yeah. and like, the radio is pretty good though. Like <laughs> yeah. the like the there's like there's like talk radio with just muffled words that you can't hear, and and just not, like a lot of nonsense. But it's not. It's they clearly recorded a bunch of nonsense right. for the yeah. talk radio. Like yeah. I don't think it repeats. Right. Um, uh, and then you can also some, sometimes find like MIDI renditions of like I think they had um, Joy of Man's Desiring on there. Mm. You know, just of like uh, of Baroque music. Um, and not much happens during these sections except sometimes you can like look over and there'll be a different thing on the passenger seat. Mm. So like some, huh. yeah, it's like when you're, when you look away and then look back, something else is there. Yeah. Like sometimes it's, it, sometimes it's empty. Sometimes it's like the the box of VHS tapes and sometimes it's a gun. Oh, so it's, it's, you're switching seamlessly between the different characters as they're tra- oh, traveling. That I didn't think of that, but that makes sense. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And the conversations with the gas station guy are so good. Yeah, I really liked that. Yeah, the, so the game has like a dialogue system, like a dialogue tree type system. And none of the conversations, like uh, they're all in the same way as the rest of the game, kind of like about nothing. But like the gas station guy is he's reading a book about aliens. And so you can spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, it's, it's very entertaining. There's also a, just a very clever play on like he – you can start talking about like a giant ball of twine that's a tourist attraction. And one of your options was, I'm not interested in giant balls of twine. And then in brackets, lie. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. which was just, oh, that's really yeah. good. Like, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that goatee 2018. <laughs> that one line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I get the impression that you're supposed to replay this game to like get a sense of what the story is because you can like see like slightly different variations of each scene. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know who's going to do that with those driving sections in there. Like it, it's there's just so much dead space that is dead air maybe that is fine to do once. Yeah. I mean, I could see doing it again now. Right? It's been 
six months yeah. since I played it. Um, yeah, it's real. It's a real David Lynchy video game, it's very, which is very, yeah, very Cronenberg. Not a thing you see much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't talk about this. The uh, the art style is like extremely PlayStation One. I think it even has like the the texture warping as textures get closer to the camera. Um, but in a in a tasteful way, like it's more like a blendo than than a yeah than an actual PS One game. Yeah. Kevin. Yes. Video games. Uh, so I played a game called, I think it was maybe called Dice Repair Game, but it was oh, yeah, yeah. in German, so I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, it was just a like a puzzle game where you are given a, what is ostensibly a three by three grid of dice faces, die faces, I don't know how you pluralize that, uh, die faces, and then a collection of dots which some of which are connected in static orientations. So you'll have like occasionally a single dot, but often like two dots that are next to each other horizontally or two dots that are next to each other vertically or diagonally, or sometimes a collection of three or four dots that are all connected. And you need to array all of these dots on these die die faces such that every die face is a legal die face, but you don't know if it's one, two, three, four, five, or six, or what orientation I was is. wondering, like, why what you were describing sounded so familiar to me, and it's because I tried playing that game and couldn't make heads or tails of it and quit. I see. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, I, it is it a game that it does not explain itself, right? And it's like, I just sort of fucked around until I solved the first level, and I was like, oh, that's what this game is. Like, it, it's... It, Definitely regret. And then the second level was like, I think I finished the second one and then the third one was like way too hard. Yeah, they're kind of all over the place in terms of difficulty. And I don't know what exactly makes one or one harder than the other. Partially, like the pieces, like the interconnected streams of dots get bigger and they take up space and you have to figure out a way to like move them around without, without, like, and they're very, they're strangely shaped. So it's like, if you could, if you had like a work a scratch area where you could just put them, yeah. that would I think. But I mean, I think it. you very deliberately do not. Sure. Like it's that's part of it is. Yeah, I don't exactly understand what's going on because it seems like uh, Stephen Lavelle has been just fascinated with dice recently. Because there was also he also made a, uh, a puzzle script game which was the similar idea where you were making legal die faces, but you were Sokoban style where you were pushing the pips around like a character in a Sokoban level. Hmm. Um, and I was stuck on it for a while before I realized, oh, you can push multiple pips at the same time. Unlike Sokoban, where you're stuck, if you like push two mm. of them together, those two, you can actually push multiples around, uh, and that made it solvable. Um, anyway, the dice repair game, it's, it's, a, it's a fun 20, 30-minute puzzle game. There's like six six levels, maybe, one for each side of the die. And it's just like an HTML5 game, too, right? Yeah, I think so. I think you might be able to play it on the phone, even, maybe. Mm. Um, and then... The game that uh, I spent the most time messing around with was uh, Cat Quest. It was on deep discount on the Switch, so I picked it up. And it is... I have sort of super mixed feelings about it. It is a... It's cute. Are they meow mixed? They're meow mixed. Uh, It's cute. It has a bunch of cat puns, which I appreciated at first and then became progressively just sort of more uh, annoyed by uh, because they got worse, too. Like, they're they're just... (laughs) Like sa- samur- samurai, like 
Samurai, but with meow. Samurai, yeah. So it's not just that, like, they keep using these same cat puns and you get aggravated by that, but they just... They keep throwing them at you. And And they used all their good ones first. Maybe. Right. Yeah, they're just... That makes sense. That's just good design. (laughs) You front load the good stuff. Yeah, because most people are going to quit, yeah. Right. Uh, And the first, like, half hour of the game is really great. You're... In terms of the like the tech level of it, I think if we had that we could remake this game with stick figures and it would just be like a West of Loathing clone. It is very similar to West of Loathing with one giant wa as the map, which you move around on in sort of a much deeper feel that in the camera sort of pans around and stuff like For that. For those of you who didn't work on West of Loathing, yeah. uh, when Kevin says wa, he oh, means sorry. a WAA, which is what walking we call a walking around area, which is one room of yeah. West of Loathing. Yeah. So if you imagine a much bigger walking around area uh, where in the cameras are sort of at a higher pitched angle uh, so you can How, see, see more was that, of the Was ground. that name inspired at all by the cool guy move? <laughs> I I definitely when I wrote the design document I was like I'm going to make everybody call rooms this dumb thing <laughs> while we're working on this game. Um so I don't know. I mean it, it you know the that was the inter- stick. internally all of the firewatch animation like the environmental animations that would trigger in firewatch when you like went under a thing or like did a, a short mantle over a log or whatever were called cool guy moves yeah i think uh, in the editor they were demarcated uh, demarcated by like uh sunglasses yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so the first like half hour of this is is actually pretty solid like it's the writing is you know whatever uh but you get a quest and there's a cool little sort of trail to follow and then you fight some stuff and you get some rewards and then there's like six hours of that exact same thing with basically no variation that just repeats and that just that as the part that I don't exactly understand like they they keep hinting that there's gonna be more of a payoff and it just never comes I mean, is there like co- there's combat isn't there isn't there sort of real time it's it's like Zelda style combat yeah, yeah. where you're it's, it's I not think I played based. I think I played this on iOS yeah it's I mean it's it's fine. It's, I bet I would have enjoyed it more with a controller oh yeah than it's with, with a, an arcadey it's like arcadey style combat you want to be able to like dip dip in and like hit with your sword and then like dodge away and that kind of stuff um, and there's a little magic system and there's, you get a bunch of gear. Like it's, it's got the satisfying RPG trappings of, of numbers going up and you're getting occasional new skills and stuff like that. But it just, it doesn't really innovate on, on the, the quest stuff at all. It's just the same two or three mechanics just over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's very limited tool set. They, they made a ton of content for it, but it's. It doesn't really carry because the narrative isn't interesting enough to, yeah, to carry that weight. Because uh, you could say that, like that, that you're doing pretty much the same thing throughout West of Loathing, but like, oh yeah, the, the, the but the content is its own like right, that's right. The a good fetch part quest, a fetch quest is fine because it's not like, I mean, it's like it's like tried and true experience design, right? Like it's it's a thing that in a more exploitative game would be compulsive, but in a game where the text is worth reading, it's just compelling instead of compulsive. So it's, and then we mix it up with puzzles. We mix like, like there's enough variety that it, it doesn't become too samey and the environments all look different. Whereas this doesn't really vary in that regard either. It's it, it should have been. And the problem is I don't think people 
would, would respond to as well, but it should have been like a quarter of the length, right? Because that's yeah. about what they had the, yeah, that's, that's what they, like, they had the meat for. Because something we on. wouldn't do is just like another dungeon with reused rooms or whatever, right? Because right? what like, was the point? What would the yeah, point be? Yeah, if it's not if it's not a bespoke thing that we can write a, a, a joke, joke about, a big joke, <laughs> right? Um, um, I, but all that said, I didn't hate it. Like it was very. It became a thing I did for an hour before I went to sleep because it just relaxed me because there was it was didn't require any thinking nice. at all. And how many, how long do you think the whole uh, thing was? Maybe somewhere between five and six hours to play like through the whole thing. And I kind of I I overdid it. I I went and got up like a bunch of different um went to a bunch of different places and sort of was trying to be a little completionist about it because I kept looking for more stuff and it just never came. Yeah, the like a uh, an action RPG being an hour and a half long is probably a tough sell for right. For a lot of people, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I would. It made me think uh, that we could potentially do an action RPG, though. Uh, yeah, which like, would that, be fun. Not, I would say that's not crazy at all. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be harder to not do the like tricks of reusing stuff, right? Yep. Like that's sure. and and so. It's yeah, but I don't. It didn't feel like there were a ton of animations and things. Like you know, we could do the same thing and put our particular spin on it, and maybe it wouldn't be bad. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I mean, so I'm, what I'm picturing is in the in the West of Loathing Engine and an action RPG, like the combat would look like a like a brawler, like a brawler yeah. yeah. And those are always bad. Yeah. So like your sta- like the st- standard you have to beat is not too bad. <laughs> sure. I probably out of all of the game studios in all of history will be the ones that figure out how to make that good. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like you don't need to make it good. You just need to make it good enough that you want to see the next. Yeah. See sentence. the next. See the next gag. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because it's not like the JRPG combat in West of Loathing is good, right? right? It's just it's but tolerable it's, but and it's doesn't good it doesn't get in the way. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny to watch. Sure. So as long as the For brawler combat was funny to watch, and then, then we also like give you the ability to speed up combat to make it funny again for a little while. Yeah, and yeah. Sure. <laughs> the one time you try to make it really slow, <laughs> it like I wish that we there was for a while you could slow combat down to one percent. Was it one? Yeah. And you couldn't change that while an animation was running. Yeah. Oh, so like you would you would not notice that the guy was idling at like glacial pace and then you would go to attack and he would just like by the time he had about finished taking the first step, you were like, Oh fuck this. How do I change this? But it it had grayed out the force quit. That's that like, sounds hilarious. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't put We that. thought about it, but it <laughs> The number of people that would have done that accidentally and then just never come back to the game. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, I mean, there was a bug in the game where your horse speed could be set to zero, so you'd go to the map screen and try to go somewhere and nothing would just happen. Just never, never get there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Anything else? That's about it. I mean, I also played a bunch of Twinfold. Well, shall we talk about the assignment, Hades by Supergiant? Sure. Uh <laughs> Did, so I played this with a mouse and keyboard, which I didn't like very much. Did anybody play, anybody play with the controller? I also played. I played it with a mouse and keyboard, okay. which I like just fine. Yeah, actually. I, didn't, okay. I didn't have a problem. With it. So Hades is a uh, it's a proc gen, but doesn't 
super matter. It's with. Right. And it, it, I would not really say that this is a game that has realms. It, no. It has uh, a bunch of room templates. Yeah. And I felt like I started to see a couple of the same ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Again and again. Um, so you're, it's an action RPG with permadeath. Uh, pretty significant. Un- well, yeah. Okay. Pretty, sure, pretty yeah, significant yeah. unlocks across. Right. Uh, okay. different iterations but the permadeath is built into the story in a satisfying way Super like satisfying. you are the son of Hades and you're trying to escape from the underworld and every time you die there you just are like reborn in this like pool of blood and yeah. your dad is like dude you can't get out of the writing is really really good the VO is really really, really really good you get all these like little story beats from talking to NPCs between uh, levels you start to get you'll find as rewards out in the out in the gameplay uh, ambrosia that you can then take back and choose who to give it to, and mm-hmm. the different people that you give it to will give you different kind of you don't optional have to take it back powers. You, you can you can so they're out in the world. There are these like presents from the Olympians, like Athena and Zeus, and that kind of thing. You can give the ambrosia to one of the presents and get favor from them as well. Oh, yeah. It's I, I I discovered that because I just happened to ha- find a present or whatever and had one of the ambrosia sitting in my inventory. You it's um. You get really random power ups, yeah, uh, and and it's sort of like the power ups are also you can you it's sort of bastiony in that there are a variety of different weapons that you can use. Only four of what looks like there's going to be seven of them are in the game at this point. Oh, those aren't unlockable. The rest aren't sort of unlockable somewhere in the game yet. I didn't. I assumed that they weren't because that no. you you can you collect these keys and a certain number of keys unlock the new weapons. Um, I found that like. And I mean, this is, I think, just maybe goes to show. Well, so two things happened. One, I unlocked the spear and the spear was made me probably three times as effective at mm. playing the game. Huh. Like the spear was so much better than the other weapons in terms of me being able to not die all the time that I just got three times as far when I played with the spear. And the other thing is after the first day that I played it, I'm pretty sure they patched it and made it significantly easier. Uh. Like those big sort of, uh, I always think of like Ursula from the little mermaid. There's these big, like sort of gas or the gas bags from bastion, the things that like dart at you. I, Mm. the first time I got to a room full of those was when my run would end and they just stopped appearing as there would maybe be one of there would maybe there'll maybe be one of them in a room like if there was a room with three or four of those i never got to the point where i could dodge out of the way of them effectively like did you use the like roll or dodge the dash dash? yeah but i hate it because of the because it the way it freezes you for a second at the end of it did you did you upgrade it to get the multiple dashes in a row that changed the game significantly for me yeah that's one of the possible things that one of the possible upgrades you can get from yeah. one of the gods right no no no. that's one of the things you can do permanently oh, oh one of the one of the upgrades so there's in addition to the so there's there's two or three different ways that you sort of upgrade yourself so there's the weapon that you choose um and there's like a little room and if the, and it encourages you switching between weapons because it will give enchantments to weapons you haven't been using um which is makes it yeah, so if if you aren't using a weapon, you go back, and there will be sometimes it will say, "Oh, I'll give you a ten percent bonus on gem drops if you if you use this weapon instead." Oh. So it's encouraging you to like try all the different. Uh, weapons I wonder out. if they've added that. I never I never saw that. Um, but you can also you also collect this this currency. So there's the keys which unlock sort of categories of things like a new weapon or a new kind of upgrade, and there's these gems that you then use to 
um, in, in a mirror to then upgrade specific things. Like uh, there's a skill that lets you when you would die, you you are sort of bumped back up to twenty health. Uh, there's a thing that lets you dash multiple times in a row before you before you have to pause. You get like regenerating um, a little bit in yeah, every time you rooms. go through a new room. When you go from water, yeah. Um, you so you sometimes have a choice when you clear a room, what sort mm-hmm. of room to go to next, and all it is is what reward you get. Like, do you want to go to a room that has an upgrade, or do you want to go to a room that has a shop? Or the whatever? type of room is sometimes indicated as well because sometimes it has like a particle effect on it and that's like a room that's going to be like one of those timed challenges. I don't think I've seen any of those. Where you have to survive survive for 45 seconds. Oh, I, I've seen one of those. Yeah. yeah. Did not survive. Um, there are alternative ways to exit rooms sometimes which is like a, I forget what they're called, like a blood portal where you, uh, it's not one of the exits along the walls. There's like a hole in the ground and uh, you can leave through that and it will, it, takes away some of your health and you're guaranteed to get a certain amount of uh, the gym currency from there um, and then you don't get to choose where you go after that it just pops you into another room um, which is an interesting way so you're not fighting any monsters you're just taking your a definite like a, a, a set amount of health and trading it for currency hmm. um, which is cool because I feel like that's that feels a, like the like spike chests in Binding of Isaac yeah like um, a lot of this game feels like it's trying to be Binding of Isaac. Yeah, which is, which is fine, Yeah, I think. With way more in- polished combat. Oh, yeah, I probably. I I didn't care. Like I'm one, I, The reason I asked about the controller is that I really liked the way Bastion felt. And I looking at videos of this game make me think of Bastion. Yeah. But playing it with a mouse and keyboard did not make me think of Bastion. And I'm wondering, like... Would I like this game a whole lot more with a controller? The games that I did best on were the games where I got a, a significant uh, upgrade to the special ability, and I was almost always using the starting sword. Yeah, because you don't have to aim with it, right? You can just just blast things you, around. Th- that's actually what I was really frustrated. Well, like one of the things I was frustrated by is that you still have to like put your the mouse on the general side of your character that you want to swing the sword in. Sure. Um, which like. Especially like when your character is your character isn't centered, locked to the center of the screen. Yeah, you're zipping around um, a bunch, and so like it's actually like this is something that I, I when I played like Hotline Miami, I found myself like you know you can aim better with a mouse if you have a gun, but if you have one of the melee weapons, I found myself much more effective aiming with the right stick of a controller. Uh, yeah, I don't generally like that scheme where you're moving around and having to use the mouse to aim. But in this, for whatever reason, it didn't bother me in this game. I just kind of got used to it. It might just be that, like, you were using, mostly using melee weapons, and so you just kind of have to vaguely gesture. Yeah, did you try the bow and arrow at all? Yeah. It was, I found it very hard to, to make any progress with it. Yeah. Um, and that one requires... Like, I found it, I was aim. a little better with that than I was with the sword, I think. Oh, huh. like, but also, like, what, the only time that I played with the sword was that first day when it was like, there would just be rooms with six of those dashing oh, things. Huh. And I literally just don't have the reflexes. Like, the, I can see them winding up, but I can't get out of the way fast enough because I'm old. I tended to try to just always be on the other side of a pillar from yeah. those kinds of enemies if yeah. I could. Like, using the environment to to manipulate them was... How I made it through a lot of the the levels, I I started to get a sense of it, but I did have a little bit of my like typical problem where it's like I can't always tell which things are going to block movement, like 
that, that sure. weren't quite visually differentiated enough. And so I'd be like, what the fuck? Why did I get hit? I was moving. But then I would realize, oh, I was at the, I was at a, like a low front wall that apparently I didn't realize wasn't part of the floor. Right. Um, I'm guessing that they're tuning stuff based on gathering data. And they're watching a lot of people stream, I think, yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, no doubt. It, it feels remarkably polished for what they call an early access game. Yeah, and remarkably done for a game that has been presumably only in development since Pyre came out. Yeah. Was that like a year and a half ago? A year maybe? and a half, maybe. Yeah, I think Pyre came out pretty close to West of Loathing, so I guess it has been a year and a half. We should have been able to make a game in that amount of time. We we're almost done with the DLC. That's true. Anyway, I'm excited to poke back into this every once in a while and see what they've added. Yeah. There's a big counter on the title screen that's like this many days until our next big content patch, which is <laughs> cool. That's cool. So this is this was also the sort of one of the premium things that was launched on the Epic Store. Yeah. Um, it's not currently on Steam, right? Yeah, it's just on the Epic Store. I wonder if they have like a timed exclusivity or... Yeah, I don't know. You can get uh, Subnautica for free right now on the Epic Store. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that just going in there and clicking the, the buy button just means it's in the library there. I mean, That I is don't... what I've been led to believe by our listeners, actually. So far, nothing has been free that I didn't already own on Steam. But... Oh, yeah, but like... Subnautica, it's really good. I wonder if they are. I wonder if Subnautica gets anything for that. They must, right? I'm like, sure. I'm sure. Epic, that, I'm sure that Epic must have a... just given them a bunch of money yes. to have that yeah. as their thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I guess Subnautica at this point is probably a thing that's occasionally on sale for a couple bucks on Steam. No. No, it's no. not. It's never. It's. I mean, I, it's still like a twenty-five dollar game, and I think maybe they've done a thirty or forty percent sale. Oh. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. <coughs> You know, maybe when it was in super early access, they did some deep discounts. But I've been watching it since it came out of early access, and it's not ever been super, super low. Hmm. Um, I would like to apologize, not in advance, to listeners for all the coughing in this episode. I'm doing my best. It's important for you to fill the room with germs so that every time we record, we get sick. Yeah. Well, it's ventilated. Sure. Can't, can't you hear it? Can't you hear the vents running? Uh, what's our next assignment, fellas? We're going to be playing Grease. G-R-I-S. Uh, yeah, it's out on Steam and Switch, I think. Another uh, meditative game about feelings that everyone is going to love, I bet. Sure. I, I hear there's very little text. It's mostly about the art. Well, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time struggling through speaking on this episode of a Video Games Hot Dog with you. And I hope we do it again real soon in this very orange room. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. But there's not room in this room for you. So you can't join us in person. You can gather outside the room and kind of maybe take turns peering in the window. Yeah. Maybe that person can like try to lip read. Hmm. And then transcribe and put a put an episode out beforehand. Yeah, leak it. Yeah, that'd that be would, good. I would be extremely pleased if a listener did this. Yeah. I don't know how you guys would feel about it. Not that. pleased enough to tell them our address. We could do no, a fair enough. We could do a video feed with no audio. Oh sure. And release that in real time. Yeah. And so then people who are good at lip reading they can, can do one of those. So only Hal nine thousand and was there a lip reading scene in sneakers? <laughs> no. There was sort of the opposite of a lip reading yeah, scene. There was, no, a, there, was a, there was a blind there was a guy, blind not a deaf person. guy. <laughs> 
he just knew uh, which bridge they were going over. Yeah, they're ju- what they're going to do is they're just going to release one of those parody videos where they say something that looks Oh, right. All like... we're talking about is apple oh, yeah. juice and <laughs> bad lip reading. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Bye, everyone. Later. Thanks, Riff. Week. Send me your audio. Oh, wait, there's no Riff. Mm-hmm.